So I'm going to start this morning with a question. So I need some audience participation. How do we know what God looks like? How do we know what he looks like? How do we know how he acts or what he thinks? Okay. Okay, so through other people. All right. Somebody else said something. I didn't get it, though. How do we know? You have a picture of God in your head, don't you? I mean, like what he's like and how he behaves and, and things like that. So how do we know? By his word? Okay. Right? So through Jesus is what you're saying? Okay. I'm not trying to stump you or anything. You know, some religions worship, like, I don't know, a rock or a statue. You know, and some worship, like, uh, a dead person. You know, Confucius, Buddha, all real people. Jesus, you know, some people think we worship a dead person. We don't think that. We think he's alive again, uh, that he was dead at one time, but it was a short period of time. But people, you know, that, that don't have faith in, in Jesus in that way as a resurrected person, they think that we worship a dead person. And some people do. You know, the thing is about that, though, is they're worshiping something that they can actually see, right? Whether it's a rock or, or a, a dead person, they actually, you know, know what that person was like and stuff. And so that's how they picture him. We have this God that is invisible, like, nobody has actually seen him. So how, how is it that our mind has a picture of God? That's what I want to talk about uh, today. Psalm 119, verse 164, <laughs> because it's a really long chapter. By the way, every single, it's the longest psalm by far, you know. And every single verse is about the Word of God. And this one, this so happens to say, seven days Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Or I think if you have the NIV, I think it says ordinances, right? And I don't know about you, but I, I praise God for his righteous rules too. You know, those parts of the word of God that tell me don't do this or it's okay to do this because it somehow keeps me somewhat on track. Not that I don't have to repent, but it, it, it's my guide. It's like, it's like this light unto my path, you know, as I walk. And so I understand, I think, what the psalm, psalmist is trying to convey there. How many different reasons to praise God? I think there's a whole lot of reasons to praise God. But today, as we kind of enter into our Thanksgiving season, I want to just kind of highlight the Word of God as a reason to worship and to praise and to thank him. You know, there should just be this attitude of thank you, God, for not just leaving it, you know, just to imagination or, uh, uh, you know, trying to make it up like what you are like and how you... I think some people would say that, you know, uh, how they come up with what God is like is because of creation, right? Uh, Which tells us that in in uh, uh, Romans chapter 1, 
verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. How has God shown it to them? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, so those invisible things, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And he goes on talking about that. But, but you know, the thing about that is, is that that's, that reveals God to us. In other words, it, it, like, it lets us know that there is a God. But it still doesn't paint a picture of what is he like. What does he think? You know, it just lets us know that there is somebody out there that is God. Anyway, I just wanted us to kind of uh, approach Thanksgiving with this idea that God's word is our mind's picture of God. Without the word of God, would you know what God really is like? You know what he thinks about certain things? I was, I was going through this, like... Um, uh, website uh, that I visited before, and and this was a couple weeks ago, I suppose, and and uh, two or three weeks ago, and and I came across this this man's like uh, desire to know a little more of a picture of God. Like he, I think he is really wanting to know what God is like. He kind of already has an idea. He's just wondering if it's a if the right idea. So I just want to read to you what he said uh, to the, to the uh, guy who owns the website. He says, I had a bit of a read through your site and can't seem to find an answer anywhere to what I think you m- may find a bit of a confusing, qu- confusing question. So please understand that I mean no offense, but, but uh, would like to get your take on something. Now, it's probably only fair to declare my hand up front as a non-believer, not really an atheist, as I open to, I'm open to the idea of God, but a non-believer at this point anyway. So the question is this. Even if God does exist, yes, I get that you believe that he does, how nice of a God is he really? I know that the opinion popular amongst believers is quite good, but I never really seem to, it never really seems to address any of the negatives. Things like, isn't he indirectly saying that if I don't love him, and he's pretty much going to cast me out for eternity? Seems a bit harsh. You know, for a guy who is generous, has a generous nature that does a few good things here and there above what plenty of others do, doesn't seem too nice to me, Dave. Now, I realize that in probably if you grew up in church and been part of church a long time, you can see a little bit of the naivete of his reasoning, like his reasoning is not real good. Because he is, he's rejecting God, you know, because he doesn't think God's nice, you know. He thinks that God should judge him based on his behavior towards other people. And, you know, we know that that's not true, that God doesn't judge us based on how we uh, treat others. We are completely judged, whether we are in or out of all eternity, 
based on what we do with him. You see, and, and in, in reality, he was rejecting, like, God, but he thinks God should judge him not based on his rejection of him, but based on how he treats other people, that he's generous and he does good here and there. And I know that that's, like, can be a little confusing because well, there's all these verses that says, do unto others, right? Like, maybe God does judge us by how we treat other people. But you have to understand that he always says that with kind of like, do unto others as I have done unto you. In other words, how you treat somebody else, I take great offense to that, like you're doing it to me. You know, if you really love me, you'll keep my commands, which is to love others just as I loved others. And so and that's why Jesus was saying, forgive, or I what? I won't forgive you because it's directly connected. So, but the reality is, is if, if you reject God, then there's no way for you to be in because you're rejecting the only one who can actually save you, right? So there has to be this, you either reject him or you submit to him. And if you submit to him, then you are submitting to the God of all the universe. If you reject him, and yet to do good, you're a good person, then you're actually saying there's something that's greater than God because I'm rejecting the one that is the greatest. And so anyway, I'm just trying to say there is some, like there's not really logic here. It'd almost be like Dave saying this, okay? So my, my wife is upset, and she's not a very nice person, you know, because I don't know why she judges me so harshly. I love all the women. I even love them more than I love her. And she's so upset. You see, that's kind of what his logic is. Like, God is so mean to me, and he says he's going to cast me into hell, but I'm a good guy. I treat everybody else good, but I reject him. And that's kind of the thing. So, but, so I see that it's kind of not real super logical, but here's the thing I guess I just wanted to bring this up. I appreciate Dave, because I think that this is just like an honest question and an honest search. I really do think that he wants to know what God looks like. Like, what, is, what does God think? It's just honest, and I love that. How do we see God? Well, I suppose we could see him through relationships, just like what was mentioned, and it's true, you know? Like, just like what I was doing, I was comparing relationships, you know? Um, based on our relationships that we have other people and the rules that we kind of have, we could apply that and compare it to our relationship with God, and we can maybe get to know God or have an understanding of God uh, in that way. But I think uh, that it still would be lacking because then it would still be up to how do you do relationships, right? Uh, and so it's still not the best picture of God. Dave has a picture of God. It's a little bit distorted. But I... But even asking or saying that, you have to wonder, like, well, why do you think it's distorted, Mike? You know what I mean? Like, so you have an opinion of what God is like. Well, how do we know that your opinion of God is actually more accurate than Dave's opinion or picture of God? And so the, what it all comes down to is that we have to have something to judge what God looks like, how he is, or we would all just have our opinions about what God is, and it would get really confusing. 
Because God is not something that we could just go visit. You know, we can't just go and see what God looks like. We can't just go and sit, you know, in a room somewhere and listen to God. Although some people think that he speaks to them audibly. But I've not experienced that. Have you? Um, I feel like the Spirit, because I believe in the Spirit, uh, speaks through me or in me. But usually it's because I'm in the Word of God, you know, and I'm listening to it. But the thing is, is like John chapter 4, verse 24, it boldly states that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Because we can't see him. So we have to connect with him on a spiritual level. Be my guess that even if people that don't believe in God understand that there is something like a, a, a realm that is not just based on physical and what you see. Like, you know, uh, like a, a spirit-type realm to it. But that's where God exists. First Timothy 1, 17 refers to him as the king of all ages, or the king eternal, immortal, invisible. And this indicates that although God can appear in various forms, um, we only see a form of him. We don't see the real him. In any way. And some people would say, well, we see him through Jesus, because that was mentioned too. And that is true. Like, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. But still, how do you know what Jesus looks like? See, the same question would have to be asked. Because have you met Jesus? I mean, did he have whiskers? Did he have blue eyes? What did he look like? What did he act like? How, how, what does he think? And to answer any of that, you're still going to be in the exact same place as if it was God himself. And so the answer is only what? The only way we know what Jesus is like is this right here. The only way we know what God is like is this right here. And if you want a true, accurate picture in your head of what God is like, what he looks like, thinks, acts, and Jesus as well, is only because you are in the Word of God. Now, you can take somebody else's, like, interpretation of God because, you know, you're not in the Word of God, but they are, and so you could take their interpretation, but you would only have to believe that their actual interpretation is right, and they actually were there. Does that make sense? And so the answer is the Word of God. And I just, I don't know, going into Thanksgiving, it just makes me appreciate it so much. Like, what if we didn't have it? We would have to make God up. Some of us do anyway, right? And I don't mean in this room. I just mean in the world. Some of us make him up because you know for sure they didn't get their perspective of God from the Word of God. It's just warped, and it's like, how did you come up with that? And so this is, I think Dave is doing like a lot of people do, though he's taking a shortcut, right? So he really, I think, genuinely wants to know, what is God like? What does he think about, you know, this? Why is he wanting to send me to hell even though I'm a kind of a good guy? Um, and that doesn't sound like he's very nice, okay? So he literally wants to know the answer to that, but instead of going 
here, where does he go? I'm just going to go to somebody that is here and talk to them and see what they interpret that because I don't really want to spend much time reading all of that to find out what God is like. Do you see what I'm saying? And so whoever he's talking to, what if he is, what if he's a Buddhist? What if he's a Muslim? What if he is Hindu? Well, then he's going to get a picture of what God is like based on their thought of God. And he didn't go there. He probably knows that he was talking to the, somebody from the Christian, you know, God realm. And maybe he does think that the Bible is true. But I don't want to read the Bible, so I'm just going to ask this guy what he thinks. And this guy gave his opinion. But it's kind of a shortcut. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a lazy way of trying to figure out what God is like. And you just have to be hopeful that they actually know what they're talking about. But I kind of think we like that to some degree. Because just think about it. If Dave asked somebody that is connected to the Bible, what do you think about God? And this guy tells Dave what he thinks about God. What if he doesn't like what that guy thinks? It's pretty easy just to reject him, right? Well, I don't believe it. And that's why we go around all, it seems like it's a common thing anymore. Well, my God, my God would never, you know, send somebody to hell just because they're homosexual. My God understands that, you know, everybody lies sometimes, you know, and sometimes lives are okay. Well, my God, you know, we could go on and on, but the reality is, is that in our society, it just seems like we are constantly creating our God and we're giving our opinions. But the reality is, is that there's only one God and everything that he wants revealed about him is in this word. Everything. And apart from that, we make him up. And by asking somebody else that's been in this word, but we don't go there ourselves, we just either happen to believe it, but I think also we use it as an excuse because it's easy to reject a man. What if, we, what if we actually went here and it said things? Then we're our, now we're not arguing with another man. We're arguing with God himself. Unless we think that this is not really the words of God. And it's just the words of man, and we can reject it, and some people do that. But Dave needs to be in the Bible. That's what I think. If Dave really wants to know what God is like, he's just going to have to spend some time there. You know, I, I, I talk to you sometimes. I, I have this, this, I don't know, I, for, for most of my life, I didn't understand anything about investing. And I just woke up one day, and I thought, man, I don't want to understand that. And so I started going to YouTube. What I found out real quick is that, man, there is some, there's a whole lot of different opinions about how to invest. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can watch one YouTube, and it says, buy Tesla at like a thousand and some dollars, and then another guy says, I wouldn't buy it at a hundred bucks. It would still be overvalued. And you're like, well, who, who's telling the truth here? But they all tell you, well, don't take my opinion Go do your own homework. Well, they know that nobody's going to go do their own homework, right? And so they're just expecting somebody else to know how to value a company and know that it's intrinsic value. Um, But we won't do that. So we'll just take somebody else's opinion. And so we watch these things. 
And the thing is, is if you happen to, if you happen to just listen to the right guy, you'll be okay. But if you happen to listen to the, bad, the wrong guy, you're not going to be good. Well, the guys that listen to the wrong guy and they invested way up high, they're already down like 90% or 80% on some of their investments, right? Because they didn't know. But what if now it's undervalued or what if it's overvalued? They still don't know. They're just trusting somebody else's opinion about how to value a company. This is what we do with God, I think, in our society. We have at our fingertips... On your phone, you can pull up anybody you want, listen to whomever you want. And you're trusting that he knows what he's saying or she knows what she's saying. And you're just hoping. And as long as the market's going up, everything's fine. It don't matter. Everybody can be telling them. They can, they can be way off on the intrinsic value. It doesn't matter because we're still making money, right? But when it's, the market's down like it is now, it's scary. And it's the same way. When life goes come crashing in on your life, then you're just like, okay, well, I don't know. Is this... Is this really God? You know? I don't know what brought Dave to try to search this out, but it seems like maybe he's feeling like he needs to find out if, which God is a real God. Your faith needs to be in God, and it needs to be rock solid. It needs to be something that you have spent the time in searching, but it needs to be in here. It needs to be in here. And... and no doubt, I believe with all of my heart that the God of the Bible is the real God. And no doubt that you believe that too. But I also think that we have to have some foundation that it comes from us being in the Word of God and not just us listening to other people being in the Word of God. Or we'll end up, you know, feeling some pressure. So, at that website, Dave asked this question. It's an honest question. And so the guy gave, he gave an, a good answer, I think. It's really long, but I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to read just the very beginning of it. He says, I'm not sure where to start because I'm not sure your assumptions, what your assumptions are. But I'll start where the Bible starts. Why do you start where the Bible starts? How do you paint a picture of God apart from the Bible? You know? He says, God is a loving creator of the universe. He made everything to us to enjoy, and he made humanity in the image as the, as the pinnacle of his creation, Genesis 1, 26, 27. So from the beginning, there was two witnesses to what God is like. One, the good world that he made, and two, humanity created in the image of God. Genesis also says that God's spirit is what gives humanity life and existence. He breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, Genesis 2-7. He planted them in the uh, plentiful garden with all good things to enjoy. So from the beginning, humanity was dependent on God for everything. And then he just goes on and on all the way through the Bible and kind of gets to Jesus and, you know, that that was God's way of rescuing mankind and such. And I'm thankful all I'm trying to get at is I'm thankful as we're going into the Thanksgiving season, as I was trying to reflect, what am I really truly thankful for? We started this kind of conversation last week, but one of the things that goes on my list, and it's probably close to the top, is I am so thankful for this right here. This right here. 
It is, without it, I would not know God. I would have just had to create him. I would have known that he exists because the world around me would tell me that this didn't just happen. I don't know how the people that believe that it just happened believe that. But I would know that, it, that God exists. I just wouldn't have a terrible time trying to figure him out. And I would probably have him all crazy out of shape and cockeyed and be like Dave, you know, just not really having a hard time really figuring this out if it wasn't for this. The only reason I know that Dave's view of God is a little distorted, that I don't think that he's unkind. I think he is so gracious and so merciful that it's beyond our imagination is because I've studied this. And I know that God holds back his raft and Sidotus unleashes it. And I know that he wants to save. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But he wants everybody to save through Jesus. But it's because I'm here. I'm in this. That's the only way I know that. Or I would not know that. The knowledge and wisdom of God is beyond human comprehension. Paul described it this way in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. His unsearchable, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Unfathomable. I think I like that word better because I can say it. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you, if God exists, which he does, I think we know that just by creation. But how are you going to know him? If he created all that we know and see, and he gave life to us, how would you ever get him figured out? He's too, his knowledge is too vast. In other words, in Psalm 139, verse 6, it says this, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I can't obtain it. Isaiah 55, verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours, and my, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Acknowledging that God is, has all knowledge and understanding, and he's so huge and we cannot comprehend it's tempting for us to demand answers from God. Kind of like Dave. He's wanting to know, why would God be so unkind to send me to hell if I'm a good old guy? And I think Job struggled with this a little himself when all calamity come down on his head. For in Job chapter three, 31, verse three, 35, it says, Oh, that I have one to hear me! Exclamation mark. I don't really know how to say that, but... Other than, or he says, here, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. In other words, I demand an answer from God about why all this has happened to me because I am the good guy in this story. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. You know, why isn't God answering? He wanted God to answer. And God 
revealed some things to Job, but he didn't reveal everything. Basically, he says, who are you to ask me? Did you make this and that and this and that? You see, Moses said to the people of Israel, he says there's, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But then he said, but he has chosen to reveal certain things to us. And so in Deuteronomy 29.9, end of that verse, he says, But the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of his law. So in other words, God is God, and his knowledge is so much vaster than us, and we wouldn't know anything about God if he hadn't revealed himself to us in his word. But he doesn't reveal every single little thing to us, although it is more than we would ever need. Because he doesn't have to, nor could he probably really get us to comprehend some things. Second Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Through the inspired word of God, the Lord has given us everything that we need for training and correcting and knowing Him. Everything that we would need. In fact, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, that we can have, because of the Word of God, we can have the mind of Christ. That's pretty amazing. In other words, we can go through this life thinking like he would think if he was actually here, which he is within us. But it's because of the Word of God that we are able to have the mind of Christ, which reveals everything to us. And I hope that Dave doesn't just stop at a website and let that be it like well you didn't tell me what i want to hear so i'm you know i'm rejecting god i hope that he goes to the word of god and studies it and really understands who god is now that brings me all to this i am so thankful as we go into our thanksgiving season for the word of god and i'm also so thankful for what we are trying to get up and going here coming this January, this connect. You know, this whole thing, this connect, it was birthed out of just uh, Matthew and Madison and Emily and I getting together and just starting to try to figure out what is it that our church needs. And we just started throwing things on the table. We spent months, hours upon hours, meeting on Tuesdays for like three-hour stretches just talking about what it is, and quickly God led us to what we need is to be in the Word of God. How can we get people, not just to listen to somebody that speaks about the Word of God, but for individuals to get into the Word of God, and to read it themselves, and to get to know this God. And out of that came this connect, and I can't be any more excited, because here is the true power of everything that we can offer as a church or to anybody else. And there's a lot of Daves out there in our world. And you can give them your opinion about God, but the best thing that you can give them 
is how to get into the Word of God for themselves and to study it. It will transform them. And that's what Connect has that has developed out of. It's a framework to just help us as individuals be in the Word of God every day. And we know we should be. I don't think I could ask anybody, hey, do you think you should be in the Word of God every day? I don't think anybody that I can think of that's in my world would say, nah, I don't think so. One day a week's fine. You know what I mean? I think everybody would agree that we need to. It's just like, do you think you ought to work out? I don't, I don't know anybody would tell me, nah, I don't, I don't believe in that. Do you think you ought to eat healthy? Nah, that's all for the dogs. Now, if we like to eat unhealthy, I think we would be like, I really want to say, yeah, I, I think we ought to eat unhealthy, you know what I mean? But I think we all know, and that's the same. We know how important this is. And so that's what this framework is about, is get individuals connected. But it's also a framework that also helps us get connected together as a church. To get connected, you know, uh, and supported in this. You know, it's just like if you want to eat healthy, it's really nice to have people around you that are eating healthy. If you want to exercise, it's really nice that there's other people around you that are encouraging you. And Diane's been doing this with her son. And it's, they do it together, and so they've been doing it for a long time. I know what that's like, you know, when you have somebody like that to support you. And so I think this is really good. Like I promised last week, we have our questionnaires. That's these things right here. Ready for you. And so any of you that signed up, uh, there's actually we already put it together on the back table, but it's here you'll have your questionnaire and also your... Uh, covenant, which is right here. Okay, and they're back there. So if you signed up, it's back there and it's got your name on and it's ready for you to take. And so I hope that you do that. If you haven't signed up yet, you can go ahead and sign up and and then we will make sure that you get your questionnaire and your covenant. The questionnaire just helps us know where we're going to uh, connect you with your connect group, you know, because some of the questions are is, so what are your days you have available? And you can circle Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you have all days, you just circle all of them. If you just have Wednesday night available, you could just circle Wednesday, right? The next question is, what time of the day is best? Morning, uh, afternoon, or evening? And so that would help us. So all of the Wednesdays, evenings are going to be bunched together in their connect group. And if there's more than like 10, we'll probably divide you up into groups of five. Does that make sense? So the questionnaire is super important for us to know where we are going to put you. And it's just based on your schedule. The other thing is, is this covenant. And this covenant is super important to us because the covenant, I think, is one of the keys that this is going to be successful. Because you're going to sign your name on this. And, of course, you can sign your name on it and then not do it. Just like you could make a contract with anybody and then just not play your part. But for some reason, when we are committing ourselves and signing something, there's something in us that wants to make sure we see it through, right? And there's this power in that. There's accountability from when you start. And so we don't have, we have seven, um, and they're not, they're, they're pretty straightforward and they're very serious, but there's not anything that you can't do if you want to do it. But it'll get you the, on the right path and on the right start with the right mindset. I believe this word is amazing. Like it's life-changing stuff. But it really has a lot to do with the attitude that you go to the Word of God with. If you just flippantly go to the Word of God, just read words for words, 
and then you just walk away and forget what you even read, James says that is worthless and it means nothing, right? We have to be doers of the word. And that means you have to look into this mirror and look intently and see the things that are going on, you know, when you look into this mirror and, and start being willing to fix and change and stuff. In other words, listen to God. And so how we approach the word of God is really important. That's why we have a covenant is we want to approach it in the right mindset. We want to see it through. We're doing these six-month stretches. And so every six months, if you want to be a part of Connect Group, you'll have to sign a new covenant. And then you know, it'll be you making a commitment for the next six months, this is what I'm going to do. And so we, just like we talked last week, we have these ready for you now. And we're super excited. We need to get these going because November the 27th is our deadline for that six months. And we need to have our groups together. Now, what happens January 2nd, you decide you want to be a part of it. Be a part of it. That's okay. Okay, but in order for us to get this up and going, we need, you know, these questionnaires filled out and the covenants signed. I'm super excited about it. So let me just read a couple more verses, and I'm going to close out, and we'll move into our communion time. Psalm 61. This is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judea. Just think about that for a second. He's in a wilderness not just camping out. It's not a vacation. He was in the wilderness because things in life were kind of tough. And he was there, and this is what he wrote. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in dry and weary land where there is no water. Our prayer is that you have a little bit of that hunger a little bit of that thirst for God. And you kind of are like Dave, Dave that I read. You want to know what he is like. Connect is going to give you the best opportunity to get the most accurate picture of what God is like. We're going to walk through the whole Bible in a three-year period. So it's just going to be a slow journey all the way through. We're going to be, sometimes we'll be in the Old Testament, sometimes we'll be in the New Testament. But we're just going to slowly walk through this together. I'm going to preach on some of these, whatever we read that week in that section I'll be preaching on, just so that we can kind of stay focused as we walk through this journey together. In three years, be my guess that you will have a really good picture of your God and of Jesus. And it's not going to be based on my opinion. It's going to be based on your being in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in you and helping you. I cannot imagine anybody that is truly wanting to see what God is like would not want to be a part of this or see that they ought to be a part of this. I know schedules are going to be the hardest thing for us to work through, as we said on the video, but we'll work through. We'll figure it out. And part of it is the covenant that we'll have you sign. You'll see that I'll be part of that as well. So let me pray, and then we will move on. God, thank you so much for your word. Without it, we would just be somewhat lost, so we would be really lost, actually. We'd have so many opinions about what you're like, just like the world has so many opinions about what you're like. And it would just be a smorgasbord kind of put-together God that is no God at all. It's just a made-up God. But you're not made up. And we know, Father, that the only true God is the God who is revealed in the Bible. It is your word that is breathed out to us. And it's been passed down for thousands and thousands of years so that we would know what you think, how you behave, how you perceive things, how you want us to behave. There's so much, and ultimately it comes down to Jesus. We would not know this salvation through Jesus without your word. 
So, Father, we just pray that you would help us as we move towards this concept of connecting with you in a very deep way every day in your word. We just thank you so much that we have this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.